And you can turn to First Timothy, chapter 6. So we continue our series regarding the mythology of modern science. First Timothy, chapter 6, where we have been taking our text, starting in verse 11. <clears throat> But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then down to verse 20. Paul says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science or knowledge, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Now turn to Proverbs chapter 1. title of our message this morning in our series on the mythology of modern science is called Knowledge, Truth, and Epistemology. And it says in Proverbs 1 and 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then one more passage in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 1, Paul says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. Father, we do come. A needy people this morning, Father, hungry, Lord, yearning to know Thee and Thy truth and Thy ways, Father, to be established therein by Thy Spirit, that we might be true and faithful witnesses for Thee in this earth. Lord, I need wisdom, Father, articulation here this morning, I pray. For your anointing, I pray for clarity of thought, lead and guide. Father, open the hearts and the minds 
that we might understand and perceive thy ways. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you need to put on your thinking caps here this morning. As somebody said, this is not children's church, but genius church. I, <laughs> I don't know about this, but you may want to buckle up and put your thinking caps on this morning. As we are delving into some areas which are want to cook the noodle. Now, we have been looking into the thought of the mythology of modern science. And, and we have learned that our culture is inundated with commanding myths. In fact, it, it's sad to say that if you were to poll most people and begin to ask them questions about reality and truth and history and what's right and what's wrong and how a man should live his life and most of what they would tell you is not based on truth because it's not based on Christ and His Word. It's what they think, what they feel, what seems right to them. And in essence, most people have received myths. You know, I talked about some of those commanding myths last week. Uh, evolution, uh, the, the myth of the modern Jesus. Another myth is the myth of Mother Teresa. You know, you talk about mother, I mean, most people, they think Mother Teresa was the greatest, most, most truthful, most loving human being to, to ever walk upon this earth. But in reality, she was utterly deceived. An angel of light, a false prophet who confirmed the deception of multitudes. You see, that's a myth. Most people would think you're out of your mind for speaking anything against Mother Teresa. Why is that? Because they don't believe truth. They believe myths. Sinful man wants to be God himself and therefore he must do away with God. And thus, he has the awful task of trying to explain this universe then without God. And so he's concocted myths. He, he doesn't want to receive God's testimony of history. God created the heaven and the earth. Six literal days. The history of, of the Old Testament. It sets forth God's workings and dealings in the earth. But man doesn't want to receive history as defined by God. So he's made of a myth. Big Bang cosmology. Darwinian evolution. Everything from nothing. You see, these are the myths that men are seeking to use to replace God and to appease their conscience as they reject His Lordship. But one question is needed when men begin to make their arbitrary announcements regarding their metanarratives and myths. And that is this. How do you know? What you declare is truth. What kind of a question is that, Timothy? Is that a metaphysical question? An ethical question? An ontological question? A pit, epistemological question. Very good, Timotheus. That's an epistemological, how do you know? That's a question regarding knowledge. And that falls under the philosophical umbrella 
of epistemology. This morning I want to lay a foundation as we begin to look at some specific problems and insufficiencies with the humanistic worldview of scientism. Now, we love science. Amen? We're not against science. We're against scientism, the exaltation of science as the sole authority and determiner of truth and knowledge. But scientism has many, many problems, especially as it pertains to epistemology. And that's kind of ironic because science means knowledge. But modern science is not true knowledge. Paul calls it knowledge falsely so-called. So isn't it quite ironic that that which is set forth to determine what knowledge is, in reality, has many, many problems in being able to determine what knowledge truly is. And that is what we are going to examine. We have learned that our most basic presupposition is what? It can be summed up in seven words. What is our most basic presupposition? Brother Brian? Kobe? God exists and His Word is true. What's the antithesis of that? The most basic presupposition of the humanists. Homo mensur, which means man is the measure of all things, and his senses and reason will lead him into all truth. You've got to understand that. This is very, very helpful. But my biblical proposition this morning is this. Apart from the existence of the triune Christian God, One cannot know anything at all. That's a bold and an absolute statement, which I am unashamed to make. In other words, every other worldview besides Christianity makes knowledge impossible. Therefore, that truth, utterly destroys the validity of any other worldview besides Christianity. Now, why is that? Now, we know that Christianity is self-evident. Who needs proof of God's existence? No one. All men have the image of God. All men have sensus divinitatis, the sense of the divine. By virtue of being a creature, You are always painfully aware of creator. So no men need proof of God's existence. Nevertheless, there is an objective proof for God's existence. Who could give me the objective philosophical proof of the existence of God in one sentence? The proof of the existence of God is this. If the Christian God did not exist... You could not prove anything. There it is. There it is. And so when somebody says to you, Brother Leon, prove God, you know what you could say? Prove proofs. 
And as you seek to prove proofs apart from my God, you will prove to everybody that God exists. Why cannot a man prove anything apart from the Christian God? Well, one of the reasons is because in order to prove things, you must have knowledge. But if you can't have knowledge apart from God, you can't prove anything apart from God. Therefore, think about this. If our premise is true, then the only way someone could know that atheism was true would be if Christianity was true. Therefore, atheism is false. Now, we have been dealing with the myth of modern science. And science means... Knowledge. But if the existence of the Christian God is necessary for one to have knowledge, then those who claim the Christian God does not exist have no foundation for their so-called knowledge. And that is why modern science or modern knowledge is properly termed science or knowledge falsely so-called. Because they're saying, we know, we have knowledge. But they have no foundation for knowledge apart from the Christian God. You see, only the Christian worldview provides a means by which we can possess knowledge and therefore know the truth. And we can know the truth with absolute certainty. How is it, I can't explain that to you. But the holy, when a man surrenders to God, that's the glory of it all. I am an evidentialist. The Bible says faith is the evidence. This faith, the Holy Ghost has wrought in me is greater than any evidence that I could see or touch or taste or feel. You know, in fact, you know what Peter said in second, Peter went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus glorified. He heard God speak audibly from heaven. And you know what he said in a nutshell to us? He said, I had that experience. But there's a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, you know what he was saying to you and I? You'd be better off, Michael Williams, having a King James Bible than that experience that I had on that mountain. That's the truth. Because it says right here in this book, he's written to us things that we might know the certainty of the truth. Amen. Paul, Luke writing, it seemed good to me, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know. Here, this is some good epistemology. That thou mightest know the certainty of those things. Which thou hast been instructed. Proverbs 22 and 21. That I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth. Oh, what a glorious reality to know God and to know the truth. Being inwardly convinced thereof by the Spirit. Now, before we progress, allow me to set forth a brief philosophical review. Who can tell me the basic categories of philosophy? 
there's four of them that I am thinking about. And these are the, if a man was going to build the house of knowledge, okay, Jesus Christ would be the foundation. But then there are four pillars that hold up this house. What are they? Brother Timothy? Epistemology, which is knowledge, yes. Ethics, which is morality, is reality. And the other one's a bonus, which would be aesthetics, which is beauty. Very good. Now, for the bonus question. Who can, in a sentence, show me how God is the foundation for those four pillars? Are you ready? I I love this. Amen. I love this. Are you ready? The foundation of metaphysics, reality. He is the great I am. You can't have a better foundation. And he who is, is he who knows. And he who is and knows, is he who is holy. And he who is and knows and is holy, is altogether lovely. Oh, isn't that beautiful right there? There it is. We as Christians, we have a foundation for our house of knowledge in Jesus Christ, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we're speaking this morning about knowledge, about truth, and epistemology. Some quick definitions. Epistemology is basically... The study of knowledge. What do we know? How do we know what we know? You see, this is what epistemology deals with. And an episteme, and I think this is proper philosophy. If it's not, it's my country boy philosophy and my way of explaining this to you. And just bear with me in my folly. An episteme is one's particular chosen method To know truth, and everybody has one. Now perhaps some of you, perhaps you even little ones are thinking, how dare Brother Charlie say that I have an episteme? I don't even know what that is. Well, sometimes I will tell my children that I can see your epidermis. (laughs) Did you know that? Did you know that, little children? I can see all of your epidermis this morning. Did you know that it was showing? You didn't know that, did you? Well, just like I can see your epidermis. What's your epidermis, little children? Do you know what it is? It's your skin. Amen. I can see your epidermis. It's showing. Likewise, I can see your episteme. If you allow me to talk with you for a little while and ask you some questions. Perhaps some questions like Noah posed to us at the ark when he said, who told you that? You see, we all have an episteme, which is our method for coming to knowledge. Now, all men are philosophers. Not all men are good philosophers. Because few of them are epistemologically self-conscious. Amen? Most people, they've got all sorts of beliefs. But if you ask them, why do you believe what you believe? I don't know. It's like the story of the, the woman. She would go to cook a roast for her family. and She'd cut off the end of the roast. and 
That's just what she did every time she cooked a rose. And finally, her daughter said, Mama, why are you cutting off the end of the rose? She said, well, that's what my mama did, so that's what I do. Well, the daughter went and asked Grandma, Grandma, why, why do you cut off the end of the rose? She said, well, that's because that's what my mama did. And she said, well, why did your mama do that? She said, because her pan was too small for a whole rose, so she had to cut it off. And that's the way most people live their life. Amen? It's like the announcement of the pilot who says, I'm sorry to say that we've lost all of our instrumentation, but don't fear because we're making very good time. We, we don't know where we're going, but we're making good time. And that's sadly how most people are. They'll tell you, I believe this, 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 and this. But when you ask them for their episteme, They can't tell you how they came to know this, this, and that. So epistemology is the study of knowledge. And an episteme is one's particular method of knowing. So what is knowledge? Who can tell me what knowledge is? J-T-B. That's how we say it in the kid at home. Sarah, justified true belief. That's knowledge. If you have knowledge, you've got to be able to justify it. It can't be an arbitrary announcement. It's got to be true. Amen? Could I say that I know that Brian Hammer's the president of the United States? Why? Why can't I say that? Because it's not true. I can't know something that's not true. So to have knowledge, it must be justifiable. There's a reason why I believe it. It has to be true, and I have to believe it. That's what it means to have knowledge. What is truth? The simple definition is that which corresponds to reality. Amen? Little children, when your parents ask you what happened in the room, what happened in the woods, you are supposed to report to them that which corresponds to reality. Amen? And anything other than that which actually happened is not truth but a lie. So knowledge is justified, true belief. Now, truth is truth, whether one has knowledge of it or not. Amen? Amen. Truth is not subjective. It is objective. But when someone claims to have knowledge, they are claiming to have personal understanding of truth. And that by using their episteme. That's what knowledge is. Somebody says, I know that which is true. And I have arrived at that knowledge by the means of my episteme. You see, we got a, we've got an episteme bin right here that we're going to get to. Therefore, one's episteme or method to come to the knowledge of truth is very very important. Do you see that? You see, we're all products of the sum total of our beliefs. That's what we are. I am the sum total of everything that I believe. And what I do is based on what I believe. And what I believe is based on my episteme. Therefore, I had better have a reliable episteme. Or my beliefs are false. And if my beliefs are false, that means they're lies. And therefore my life is not built on a solid foundation. You know, we could talk to an unbeliever about his scientific beliefs. 
And he could throw them all out there on the table. We could talk to him about the nature of reality. We could talk to him about ethics, about right and wrong. And, and there's nothing wrong with talking about those things. But consider this. Epistemology is logically prior to all of these beliefs about science, reality, and morality. Because one must use their episteme to determine the nature of reality and what is right and what is wrong. Do you see that? That's why when we talk about somebody's epistemology, we're touching the thing with a needle. This is laying the axe to the root Because one's epistemology is foundational to everything that they believe. In fact, one's episteme will ultimately determine their character and destiny. This is why, young people, it is so important that you choose to think rightly. Amen? Williams, boys... Has your father ever said, you can't think like that? Huh? Once or twice? Huh? Why is he saying that? Because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Not just what, but as. You see that? In other words, what God is saying, your episteme, the way that you think when you are seeking to determine what is true and what is right, that is going to determine your character and your destiny. That's why this is of the utmost importance. We must think rightly. And you know how you can tell if you are growing in grace? Your mommy and daddy, your pastor no longer have to sit you down and say, no, you can't think like that. You can't think. That's wrong thinking. That's bad thinking. You know what you do? You learn to apply that to yourself. And in the heat of the battle, you grab self by the scruff of your neck and you refuse to think with bad epistemologies. And you choose to think his thoughts and bring every thought into subjection to the word of God. But if you constantly have to have somebody sitting, you you can't think you're a babe in Christ. God wants to establish you. You see, that's why Jesus said, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Thus, if one does not know the truth, they cannot be made free. And if one does not have a proper episteme, they can never know the truth. So what are the available epistemes to choose from? Amen. I've got my episteme bin here this morning. Amen. And you know, every man in life, he must come to the episteme bin. He must choose an episteme that will govern his life and ultimately determine his destiny. And this is of the utmost importance. Now, this is a very important decision. Because if one gets it wrong here in the beginning, it's the beginning 
of the end. But there is a challenge in picking a reliable episteme. And here it is. Here's the $44,000 question. How can a man know which episteme he should choose? I mean, hey, I got some good ones in here. Amen. I got, hey, I got that one right there. Y'all know what that one is right there? Hey, 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 I got this one right here. I went to, I went to Farm Belt yesterday, joined the Orange Kubota Club. Amen. I got my, my thinking cap here. Amen. That's an episteme right there. Hey, amen. Hey, I got this one right here. Here's a good scientific episteme right there. Amen. Good measuring tape. And I got this one right here. You know what this one is? Huh? You know what this one is? Huh? Huh? <laughs> this isn't one. I just wanted to beat up Leon a little bit. <laughs> so, figure while we're talking about irrationality, I could throw my old noodle in there as well. Huh? Amen. Hey. That's why. It's because you got a bad episteme. Right? I, I can help you out with that. Here's an episteme right here. Amen. This is the feeler, amen. That's how most people live their life. They just, they just feeling around, amen. Well, what's right and what's wrong? Well, it depends on what I feel is right, amen. They believe in the, not the infallibility of the scriptures, but the infallibility of their feelings, amen. They don't believe in sola fide, but sola feels, amen. That's, that's how they live their life. It's their episteme. They're just feeling around, amen. But it's very important. That we have the right episteme. Because that episteme that we choose is going to determine whether or not we know what's true. And if we don't know what's true, then we cannot be made free. So how do we choose an episteme? Amen. We come to the episteme bin. How do we choose the best episteme? Huh? Well, that's easy. We just use the best episteme to choose the best episteme. Isn't that right? I mean, come on. Everybody knows that, huh? But how do we know the best episteme to use to choose the best episteme? Oh, that's easy. We just use the best episteme to choose the best episteme to go and choose the best episteme. Do you see the problem we've got here? When a man reaches in this bin, he's doing it by faith. Amen. You cannot epistemologically prove or verify the best episteme. That's why I told you a man's primary ultimate foundational beliefs are presuppositions. He cannot prove them scientifically. He must assume them. So when a man reaches in this bucket right here apart from God, amen, it's an act Why is it so important that a man gets the right episteme? Because if you got the wrong one, there can be some major problems. Amen. Amen. I got my tape measure here around my neck this morning. You see that? This is my empirical episteme. Amen. Here it is. My scientific method. Let me tell you about this right here. You know, the fire marshal, some of you may not have known this, contacted Brother Britt last week, and they were concerned for our safety here on Busy Corner Road. And so they asked Brother Britt if he could get a measurement of the sanctuary to be sure that we've got enough space for the amount of people that we've got. So Brother Britt... 
delegated it to me to come and find that out. Well, I decided I'd delegate that to Dre Hobson, because the Hobsons were cleaning the church. And I said, Dre, I'm going to leave my tape measure for you in the kitchen. And when you all come to church to clean, I want you to measure this building for me. Amen. Dre said, very good, Brother Charlie. I'd be glad to do that for you. So Dre comes, measures the church, and gives me his measurements. Well, I'm an extra cautious man. Amen. I, I want to be sure before I give my stats to the pastor that I've got the right measurements. So I come here early this morning and use my episteme here, and I measure the church myself. When Dre shows up, I said, what'd you get, Dre? Give me your stats. And he gives me his stats, and I look at his stats, and I'm like, whoa, that's a lot different than what I got, Dre. And Dre and I are sitting there, and we're scratching our heads. And, you know, Dre and I, we just can't figure out what happened. Any of you can help me to understand where the problem is? Ah, you see, if we don't have a reliable episteme, if we don't have a objective standard by which we can know things, then we can never truly know truth. And when a man doesn't have the right episteme, which we're going to get into next week, then he's got major problems in his life. You see that? That's why it is of the utmost importance that we are all epistemologically self-conscious. And that we, when we go to the episteme bin, we reach in there. And we get the only reliable episteme that there is. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's stand here this morning. Amen. You can know the truth if you want to. Amen? God has provided a way. Amen. Each of us, from the least to the greatest. Jesus said, Father, I thank you. You've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. But you have revealed them unto babes such as us. Each of you, young people, can know truth with absolute certainty. If you're willing to pay the price. Father, we do thank you today, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which is truth, forever settled in heaven. And that you have graciously revealed yourself and your ways unto us. Father, I pray that each of us would receive the love of the truth. That we would take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That we would indeed, Lord, think your thoughts after you. Grant it, O Lord, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll take a short break. Come back for church.